0: guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. So Dubai is obviously a city that's enormous change has happened over the years and often trends emerge elsewhere and they come here over time. And I think people who've been here in the last two decades will definitely say that the F&B industry has evolved a lot. We've just seen Michelin star restaurants. Uh, been announced and especially also in the coffee space. There's been so many uh, localized, specialized coffee uh, cafes uh, grown up in Dubai over the last 10 years or so. And we're fortunate enough to have one of those really pioneers in the Dubai uh, coffee story uh, with the first roastery. Uh, on the show today. If you like this episode, I would point you back to a couple of episodes that might be similar to this. There was uh, Tom Arnold from Bull and Rue, from Tom and Serge, it was episode number four, way back uh, a couple of years ago. We also had Rafi on from Sippy, a coffee app. We had the founder of Brew Society. Uh, So there's similar podcast stories uh, about these type of businesses as well, if you like that. And for today, enjoy the conversation. Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. This week we have a very special guest, part of Dubai's in- entrepreneur and F&B industry, Matt Togood. He is the co-founder of Raw Coffee. So they are the UAE's first roastery to offer 100% organic and fair trade coffee, uh, zoning in on sustainability. They've cut out the use of plastic, water and chemicals in the production process. And, and you know, really focusing on the taste as well. So we're going to have a chat about the history of raw coffee, how it, how it's set up, uh, how it's grown over the years, and part of the Dubai story as well. The brewery industry in the market in Dubai in the region, and plans for the future. Good morning, Matt. Thanks, Rich. Thanks for having me here. Thanks for coming in. Nice to meet you in person. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm a customer of raw coffee. Um, I, I, you know, I, I like your beverages. I like your really good food as well. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the history.
1: Well, Raw was started, actually, Raw was the very first specialty coffee company in the Middle East. Oh. Started by, by my business partner, Kim, uh, 15 years ago, a couple of weeks ago. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. 2007. Yeah. yeah. Which um, was a completely different day. You know, we we're just having a quick chat about how we've been here in, in Dubai for a long time. And um, back in the days where, when, when I arrived in town, there was no coffee. Mm. So, you know, we, you know, now we call ourselves pioneers. But we really were just a couple of fools who were just trying to uh, find a coffee because we, we couldn't find one here.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and now, look at the coffee industry here. It's huge.
0: It's exploded. Yeah, yeah. it's got really big. Yeah. So you're originally from New Zealand. Yep. And what was your background?
1: My background was actually electrical, IT. Um, I was in IT sales. I worked for Telecom New Zealand before I came to Dubai. I, I came to Dubai because my wife uh, is an air traffic controller. So okay. she came here because she wanted to work at the world's busiest airport. There we um, go. <laughs> yeah, um, and it wasn't a very busy airport back then. So, um, yeah, it was a, a change of industry for me because I just didn't want to repeat what I what I was doing. Hmm. And. Coffee was something that I thought I knew a lot about. I thought I knew everything about coffee because I drank it all the time. Yeah. And uh, in hindsight, we knew nothing. And we just jumped in with both feet trying to produce a product that we thought that there was no product available on the market at the level that we wanted to, to, to have. Um, and yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. a long
0: journey. So-, so, the, so you didn't know necessarily a lot about it, but you knew you had enough appreciation to know that there was a you know a kind of a, a type of coffee that was missing in the market that you would have had in New Zealand absolutely so
1: coffee is a product that's best consumed fresh so when you uh, roast the coffee so when it's actually put through production um it's usually good for up to about six weeks after it's roasted you know, some people say, you know, after three weeks, it's it's no longer any good. Certain coffees last a little bit longer than others. But in general, it should be drunk as a fresh product. When you take the bean and you grind it, it should be consumed within two minutes okay. because you're losing all this aroma and flavor and, and everything. So it is a fresh product. When we When I came to Dubai, there was only imported product. Which generally had taken three months to get here. So, according to those rules, it's already dead. Um, and then it sat on a shelf for another six months. Um, so it wasn't. It didn't give you what you expected. In New Zealand, there was a roastery every three hundred feet and <laughs> uh, a, a coffee shop every fifty feet. And we were New Zealand's culture is very much about going for short visits to a cafe three or four times a day. Mm. Um, So, coming here and all of a sudden, something that was, you know, a a core part of my life has disappeared because it just wasn't available um, became a bit of a a shock. And then thinking, oh, okay, there's lots of expats here. Surely a lot of these guys are the same. And uh, so, Kim had started um, a roastery actually around this area in in DIP Mm. um, because she had a cafe and she couldn't find fresh coffee. Mm. So, she thought, well, I'll, I'll start a roastery. Um, I'm really glad that she didn't know what she was getting herself into. Otherwise, rule wouldn't exist today. Um, <laughs> Why do you say that? It's, it's been tough. You know, it's been 15 years and it, it, is, it is a roller coaster. You know, you, when you're, when you're a, um, a solo business owner, you don't have any choice. You you have to get out of bed every morning and you have to go to work. There is there is no other choice, especially when you start to get a team around you. Mm. You know, um, uh, you know. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but neither Kim or I took salaries for many years. Mm. Um, our partners supported us uh, in that time, and, and that was an ability to take whatever we could earn, put it back into the business, and keep growing it. We also, because we we're in an, uh, the industry, wasn't an industry. Um, we could make mistakes. So we were trying everything and and doing everything that we possibly could, experimenting with the coffee, but experimenting and being a business in the Middle East and developing it, you Mm. know, from, okay, how do I get permission to have a chimney in Alcoz? You know, um, and you go down to the the environmental department, fantastic people, but they didn't know the answer either because we were the first people to be asking that question. Mm. Um, so, you know, back in those days. And you need a chimney to, to roast. To roast the coffee, yeah. you know, and, and of course, you know, what was the impact on the environment when you roast coffee, you know, mm. what, what is the carbon emissions? So, you know, going, we'd go and tap into people in Europe and find out, you know, to get emissions reports. And, you know, now today I have a, an emissions inspector who comes every six months and checks our emissions. So, mm. you know, the, the transition has been amazing. Um I don't know if I would do it again now. I loved what we did back then because it was all about, okay, what if we do this? That didn't work. Okay, what if we do that? Okay, that works. People Mm. like that. So, you know, and and Dubai back then was much, much more of a community feel because a coffee uh, cafe or a coffee shop was the place that you shared information. Where do I go to get this? What do I do to get this? We didn't have the – Internet in its form now that you could just Google it and say this. I didn't, we didn't have Amazon that you could just mm. push a button and get something here. Mm. I mean, I remember we built our second roastery and I called my father in law in Canada and asked him to send me five kilos of screws because I couldn't buy screws. Wow. You know, so, you know, it, it, it's, um, it, from a business perspective, um, you know, it was fantastic to have that opportunity to have a, a fresh pasture, you know, mm. a green field. But at the same time, it meant that our business grew very, very organically. Mm. Because it was, uh, you know, you you were basically, you know, our competitor was um, Starbucks, mm. you know, and um, we thought we had a better product. We liked our product more than Starbucks' product ourselves. So we'd go out and anybody that we could put a coffee into their hand, that would, would do. So we go to school fairs, markets, anything we can do to say hey try try our product because we think it's better and luckily people went yes it is this is what we like
0: yeah so so what so what is raw today because you know people will have been to your uh place and and they'll also have seen your packets of beans and purchased it in many different cafes around dubai so are you a roastery and and what is the what is the business today
1: we're a solution company okay coffee is what we do Mm. Uh, coffee and now beverages so it's more so cafe beverages Um, but we are primarily now a solution company so we go in and we solve business owners problems by providing solutions and that revolves around a beverage that they typically sell Mm. to a customer Mm. Um, which is more back in my field Right? Yeah. So I used to be an IT solution specialist. And so having that mentality of what is the business problem that I'm going to solve for my customer mm. is, 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 my, is what I love doing. Mm. Um, we just happen to use coffee as a medium.
0: And you have, you have two roasteries in, in UAE? We, we, have, we have one roastery in our
1: cause, Yeah. Um, and that's, it, it's, it's a funny thing. Coffee roasting doesn't actually require a huge amount of equipment. It doesn't actually require a huge amount of space where you store your green bean your 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 raw ingredient is you where you space. need to have the space but yeah. the actual production and stuff is actually quite simplistic is it um, labor
0: intensive
1: um no it's not um well it's it's it can be but now with uh some very clever people around the world and automation and things like that we don't have to worry so much about that um i think that if i look at it on paper my roasting department is the most efficient operation in the whole business amazing. you know and the other end of the business you know the cafe side of the business is the most labor intensive
0: interesting so uh how did you what was the journey how many products or how many types of coffee do you roast now and how did that go yeah
1: so we we started out really early um uh you know with with an idea that we would only buy uh organic coffee um and uh we've learned you know organic coffee is important but a lot of coffee has organic labels, not necessarily organic when mm. you actually get into the detail of it. Um, you know, we we had some philosophies. The, the first one, you know, we, we like the idea of being sustainable, you know, and sustainable for me is not about having a cellulose cup. Sustainable is about everything, including the sustainability of the business. Am I going to be in business next week? Mm. Right? So, The first thing we, you know, in this region, which was fantastic, is that we just imparted, you know, our natural New Zealand beliefs of, you know, looking after the environment, looking after your people, um, looking after your customers. And I think that that resonated. Mm. Um, We have always, from the first day, been a value add company. You know, everything that we deal in, I want to add some value to that. I don't want to trade it. I don't want to just buy and sell the same product. Mm. And... You know, so for example, we sell a lot of equipment, you know, domestic equipment um, uh, from Italy, you know, very high end espresso machines that you can use in your home and things like that. But just giving somebody a machine without actually giving them the training, you know, means that the product that they'll produce won't be as good as it possibly can be.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Exactly the same as being a coffee supplier. You know, when I say we're a solutions company, I say to customers that the coffee is the fifth or sixth thing that we should discuss. The first thing we need to discuss is your location and what's your business plan? How are you going to be successful as a business? Mm -hmm. How are you going to be different than the other 3,500 cafes? What's going to attract your customer in? What what is your offering? Because the coffee will be one thing, Mm -hmm. but that's not going to be your sustainable measure in in the business. Mm -hmm. Uh, The consumer is not coming just because you have, you know, a single-origin Ethiopian 90-score coffee you know they they might enjoy that but the reason they're coming there is because you have a business and the way you treat your people and the mm. environment that it is and all the other things about it so when we looked at that we thought that initially we would just be supplying uh, residential households you know expats people who had had western style espresso based coffee mm. initially and then we realized, in fact, actually it was uh, our first commercial customer was Gordon Ramsay oh, wow. um, because Gordon um, had set up down at the Hilton and um, um, with Nick and Scott and Victoria and um, Boyan and, and, you know, he knew that good coffee at the end of a meal was important. Hmm. So, you know, local roastery, fresh product, you know, bang, he, he, he took that on. Hmm. And then all of a sudden all the other cafes started calling us up And, you know, it became a kind of a a bit of a a standing thing that people say, oh, you know, you guys are everywhere. It wasn't that we were everywhere. It's just that we had a product that suited what people wanted in their cafes,
0: Yeah, you know. And it was quite visible, quite distinctive branding. And Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, you go back and you look at Lime Tree, Mm. you know. I remember the first week I arrived in Dubai, you know, nearly 14 years ago and going onto Beach Road and going to a Lime Tree and I walked in there and I went, this is like Ponsonby Road in Auckland. Mm. You know, this is this is a cafe in, in in Auckland. I don't want this. I'm in the Middle East now. I want a, an Arabic thing. Yeah. But you know what um, what Lime Tree did was you know groundbreaking. Mm. You know they really introduced a different style of cafe. You know, and then the next big wave was Tom and Serge. You yeah. know, um, and Tom's from Melbourne. You know, he knew the coffee scene. You know, so you know, we, all of us were not actually necessarily creating anything new, what we were doing is taking from what we knew from our home countries, yeah. you know, and then adapting that to the Middle Eastern market.
0: Yeah, interesting. But at the moment, like if if I'm a commercial or an individual customer, you have quite an array of selection. The the menu, as you said, people need to be explained, but if I'm picking a coffee, I've got a lot of choice yeah. of different beans. Uh, how, how did that evolve? And, you know, do you source... From different parts of the world and then do you bring the beans in and then do you roast them and like how does that work
1: yeah so i'm a self-professed coffee geek because <laughs> um, my wife calls me something else um uh, but um yeah we went we went really 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 deep into the coffee side of it mm. um i'm one of those people that when i get interested in something i i want to know everything about it mm. so um you know we we use different mediums to actually learn ourselves um, you know, at the start, there wasn't a lot of availability of anything online, for example. So we, we met people in mm. the industry. Um, I'm very, very fortunate to have friends who, you know, are world champions, you know, in the coffee world. Um, and we did the whole understanding the commercial excellence side of the business, how to make the best coffee from that bean, mm. which then, of course, starts you to look at how you roast the coffee. Then we jumped. Did you in.
0: yourself train as a barista? Yeah, yeah.
1: So I've been to the world championships twice. Wow. Uh, I got a thirty eighth and a third. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then um, actually, we've had uh, we had success. We won a world championship with one of our baristas oh, um, a few years back, um, which was which was which was good. But. It was actually at the point where I realised that that wasn't important. Mm. You know, by this point we were we'd realised by starting to go to Origin 2010, we had our first trip down to Ethiopia, mm. and that changed everything. Mm. You know, that changed the way that we looked at things because immediately we said, okay, what can we do to help these people? Right, and that's not about um, yeah, buying their coffee is important. But what are the things that we can do just as two people, just two Kiwis, you know, what can we do that makes a difference in their world? And we jumped into the fair trade Mm. uh, side of things, and we quickly learned that that fair trade is not as beneficial to farmers as direct trade. So directly going to your farmer and buying directly from them because then the middlemen who are not adding value, you can pay that money that you would pay to the farmer. Mm. Um, and then um, also, you know, uh, Kim is an incredible person for being able to identify where there's good and bad in an environment. So she will go into a village and within seconds work out who the person is that she should be engaging with to really get the conversation going. Okay, how do we add value to you? What mm. can we do? Yes, we want to buy your coffee. And I'm the one who's out there just buying coffee. Um, at any one time, we usually have about 40 different coffees. We buy from 16 different countries around the world. Um, and up until COVID, we would spend two months a year uh, in in coffee worlds in coffee Amazing. lands uh buying coffees and 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 um and, and dealing with people in those environments mm. um that's fantastic for the end consumer um but i feel that our job in a lot of the time is to tell the story of the coffee mm. and that involves the people that 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 farm it and more today it's more about the people who produce it Mm. Right, so you'd understand what a producer does, right? Mm. So a producer adds value to the initial uh, uh, developer of a of a product. So we have a lot of farmers that contribute to the coffees that we buy, and then we have very clever producers who add value to those coffees. Mm. So how is it processed? You know, what are the and now. You know, we can go very deep on, um, on processing of coffee and different flavors that can be generated from coffee. So I, I, I'll tell you something, because a lot of people don't understand this. Somebody, many, many years ago, went and got this cherry off a tree. So think of a cherry like you'd think of as a normal cherry, right? Yeah. So a coffee cherry looks very similar to a coffee cherry. They then worked out that they throw away all that sort of fruit on the outside, and they take these two hard seeds in the middle, and they cook them, they crush them, and they add them to water. Now, (laughs) you know, I think about that and go, how did you get to that point, right, to actually take a fruit and then discard the fruit? Yeah, you know, imagine taking an apricot off a tree, cutting the apricot, throwing that away and just, take, yeah. just concentrating on the stone. Yeah. Right. So that's where the, the you know, someone the, figured it out. Yeah. So now what we've got people who, and we've got science behind it and we've got more information and we've got technologies from other industries. In fact, we're using technologies from the apricot industry mm. um, today that makes a better quality coffee. Um, so, you know, now we're, now we're really working that product, you know, um, Coffee is, they say it's the second largest traded product in the world. It's a little bit of a uh, tagline that because coffee is a, is a commodity, is mm. traded a lot. Mm. Um, I think it might be volume, but it's definitely not value. Mm. Uh, but coffee is the uh, most consumed, uh, now it's surpassed tea, most consumed uh, legal drug worldwide.
0: Legal substance, yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, Because you know, um I mean caffeine is a is a stimulant or actually it's, a, mm. it's a, it, it works in your brain in a different way. So, the,
0: so are you the second or the most?
1: It's the it's the most now. After sugar or well, yeah, I mean, I don't think they class it as it, sugar. Sugar
0: isn't on its own. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: yeah. Um, and, and the way that, that caffeine, the main molecule in, yeah. in, coffee that actually does the, does the work. Um, it's actually really clever how it actually affects your brain. Mm. Um, you know, and how it, how it goes onto receptors and it actually works like a prophylactic over your receptor. It stops, uh, other chemicals getting to your, uh, that receptor and telling you to go to sleep. Okay. So, you know. Interesting. It, it, it's, you know, so now we're starting to understand that. We've got things like uh, cold extracted coffee. Yeah. Which this stuff, you know, we call it rocket fuel. But yeah. this this stuff I here,
0: there's, there's one
1: milligram of caffeine per mil in that bottle. Yeah. Right? So 200 mils, that's too much for the average human to drink. Yeah. You know, yeah. This, you've got to be a superman. <laughs> but, you know, like you you have this. And what's really interesting about it, and I've – and I'm I've, I've actually I'm wanting to get um, some research done at a university level on this because I believe that the half life of a cold extracted coffee is double that of a hot extracted coffee mm. for the the way it stays in your brain. Mm.
0: Um, Interesting.
1: Yeah. So so we're 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 getting where we've gone to now is the technology in our industry is what's pushed the industry or has made the industry uh, Mm. go faster
0: interesting jump into the industry but before we get there so the the business itself you mentioned you had a partner it's obviously in mainland is that is that the sort of structure that you've held over the years and you've kept it like that or have you looked at
1: yeah, so when I joined Kim, um, uh, she'd been operating for a couple of years. She was on her second roastery. She'd moved from DIP into uh, onto Shakeside Road, inside the Dubai Garden Centre, and yeah. had a very small operation there. And um, I met her, and um, I wasn't working because I'd just moved to Dubai, and um, uh, I sort of I, there was a there was a university paper that I'd wanted to do in marketing, and part of the paper was that I had to write. Uh, a business plan for a small business and yeah. I th- and I was buying coffee from her and I said to her hey can I come and do an interview with you get an un- and build a business plan for you Amazing. she said sure so I, I did it and I spent a couple of weeks with her going through and understanding that um, and Kim won't mind me saying that Kim uh, her She's got hundreds of abilities, but running businesses wasn't an ability back then. Mm. Like she was, um, she was doing everything right from a uh, ethical perspective and everything, but from the business structure, there was problems. Mm. Um, that was my specialty. So I came and I said, okay, the first thing we have to do is we actually have to make sure that we're sustainable, Mm. right? The first thing we have to do is actually get some money coming in the door because there's too Too much money going out. Um, you know, and one of the things I said to her first day is your prices are too cheap. And she said, oh, I can't charge anymore. I said, well, if you don't, you won't have a business.
0: Yep, you were looking at the margins and there wasn't I any. was
1: just looking at what the, co- the, the true cost of doing business, mm. right? I think that, um, you know, it, it's really dangerous, you know, when you look at, you know, especially in a business like coffee where you're buying a, a commodity product and you look at the price of that commodity product. And if you don't build a fully loaded cost, for that product, you will go bankrupt really quickly, mm.
0: you know. Because uh, it's interesting that the coffee industry isn't a high margin industry. I think I remember reading that Costa Coffee globally, the Coca Cola, but they run at a six percent operating margin. That's yep. pretty low.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: So you really need to be on top of your margins on your costs. It is,
1: a, it is a volume game, mm. right? So the, the coffee business is a, is really is a volume game, and you know, here we have a different way that people consume. Right. So in New Zealand, people will walk down the street drinking a coffee. Mm. If it's quite surprising, you don't see that
0: here. Not much. No,
1: no, because people consume coffee here by sitting around a table with somebody else and consuming it. Mm. So, you know, where uh, a cafe in New Zealand, you would expect them to be doing a thousand to fifteen hundred coffees in a day here a cafe doing more than 500 cups is a high volume cafe interesting so one that's why the price of a cup of coffee is is more expensive here because we don't sell as many cups yeah. By a, by a factor yeah. of nearly three uh, to other places, even to London, mm. right? Um, one of my favorite little coffee shops in Soho is called Flat White. Uh, yeah. It used to be owned by some Kiwis. And they were doing with, you know, tiny little, tiny little place. They would do 1500 coffees a day. This is 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. You know, and it's walk up, walk out yeah. type environment. You know, here, you know, the, the, I, I think that, you know, we've got a huge cafe roastery in our cause. And, you know, on uh, Saturday, Sunday, we're doing just under a thousand cups Mm. of coffee. Mm. So, you know, we're, we're considered to be very, very busy in this world. Most cafes are nowhere near
0: near that. Yeah.
1: So the margin on the bean side is ridiculously low. Yeah. You know, um, in fact, prices have gone up across the world on average for us by 30% since COVID.
0: The, com- uh, the coffee commodity yeah. price has gone up. So that, so, yeah. so your margins are squeezed even more.
1: Well, it has been. We've had to put our prices up. We yeah. had no choice. Yeah. Um, and that's excluding. That's 30% at the farm gate, mm. right? So, um, and that is partly, well, there's, there's a couple of good things about this. The prices went up because of the cost of production went up, because COVID caused difficulties in actually uh, getting people to do things like pick and prune and, and and do those sorts of things um the cost of transportation internally went up but but mainly i think a lot of my pro, uh, producers they were quite clever they took an opportunity to just take a little bit more margin for themselves.
0: Mm. Um, Play into that scarcity thing and, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, unfortunately, a lot of coffee was left on the trees a couple of years ago because mm. there just wasn't people to to harvest. And mm. so that supply and demand causes prices to change. Mm. Um, uh, quality declined. Mm. So when you're at my end of the business, which is the, the premium end of the business, there was much, much less coffee available. Mm. Uh, and in fact, this season... Um, It's been very challenging to find good quality grades of coffee because it's not, there's not a lot of supply is catching up. yeah. 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 Um, but you know, the, the, a lot of the farmers. You know, if you look at the commercial aspect of coffee production, are at the subsistence level, mm. which is where we don't want them to be. Mm. Um, you know, we we have relationships that we we do trade in a little bit of a different way, where we will um, pay usually double the going rate and um, uh, the market rate. So, what a lot of people don't understand is that high end specialty coffee can come from the same tree as a low end commercial coffee. It's just if how that tree is looked after, how it's actually harvested and then how it's processed mm. uh, determines its value mm. So you know you've got an environment where you've got a farmer who you know might want to sell a hundred units mm. and the specialty people only want two well he's still got to sell ninety eight so mm. how does he get the the price up uh, as high as he possibly can? You've got the big companies who consume massive amounts of coffee they have a requirement that they need, minimum of a million kilos to produce one product so you know you've got a farmer that might be producing a thousand kilos a year and he's got to combine that with a whole bunch of other farmers so somebody Mm. else is telling him what his price is Mm. Um, and often that is below the um, subsistence Mm. level. Um, typically a coffee farmer is using that as his cash crop he will have other crops that is uh feeding his family and things but it's a crop that's only produced once a year mm. so they receive all their income for one part of the year and then you have a slide over you know uh, yeah and in the last three months they are waiting for that crop to be yeah. harvested so
0: real in agriculture industry yeah very much so so but i think you know you described that sort of starting off as the cafe part and then you touched on how it you were supplying the gordon ramsay and the type of commercial side. And now you also supply solutions, not just the, the F&B product, but you can provide the machines and all that sort of stuff. So does that make your business more robust by having different revenue yeah. streams? Yeah,
1: and, and, and look, we were, we were super lucky during COVID. Um
0: uh, How so <laughs> it sounds like you yeah. were been hit that.
1: Well we were. You know um day 1 covid hit. I mean I think that the 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 team did an exceptional job of planning. I think we were ahead of the curve. Um I had had a heads up from some friends of mine who were doing business in China to say yeah. that there were problems in China and I sh- we should be aware of it. In fact they were jumping on planes and getting out of there. Mm. And so we had a plan
0: and basically another week or two had started I think else. we
1: had we were about a month ahead. Um, we closed down two weeks before we were required to. Mm. Um, we, um, we had three plans and we just chose to enact one plan. But in effect, so at that point, 85% of our business was coming from commercial sales of coffee beans to people who turned that into a cup of coffee that they sell. Mm. So that went from you know, millions a month to zero. Mm. Um, uh, we closed the cafe to protect the team. Um and then we really started focusing. I say everyone's at home, okay? How do we get coffee to people at home, right? How do we get equipment so they can actually make their own coffee at home? And I think uh, in that four month period, I think we were selling over a hundred coffee machines a a month, like three coffee machines a day, and these are expensive coffee machines. Mm. We're talking six, seven thousand dollar coffee machines. Mm. Um, and uh, so we we. I, I don't really like the word pivot, but we we changed our focus to who can we get cups of coffee at home to. Um, I got onto radio. I got onto doing a whole bunch of stuff saying, we can help you brew coffee at home. Mm. The cool thing, apart from all the negative that happened with COVID, is that the consumer's understanding of quality improved dramatically over that period mm. because people are stuck at home. They have to make their own coffee. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they're going. Oh, hold on! I've got more time. What do I do to make this cup of coffee better? Mm. We were doing Zoom training, mm. oh, okay. Which you know sounds bizarre, but because we know our product, you know, we can tell a customer. Okay, so if you change this, it's going to change the flavor. Mm. You know, and this is how the grind size or the amount that you put in there, or the water temperature, or the the method that you're using can actually dramatically change the flavor. Mm. So. We lost all our commercial business. Um, we, uh, yeah, we we bought in um, a bunch of our at risk uh, team um, and set up uh, bunk beds in the in the boardroom to to give them a place to actually stay. Mm. And then we just focused on that home delivery. And I think we went from doing on average fifty deliveries a day up to one point doing six hundred deliveries a day. Wow! Um, deliveries
0: of Coffee? or Bags of coffee. Yeah.
1: Um, unfortunately, it went from an average delivery of 50 kilos of coffee down to a delivery of 500 grams of coffee. Mm. So, you know, the, the the financial side of the business was in, incredibly difficult. Mm.
0: Um, but it did bounce back quite quickly,
1: did it? It did. Um, 40% of our commercial customers pre-COVID didn't open again.
0: That's a big number. It's a big number. Yeah.
1: Um, and, you know, I tried to make myself feel better by going you know what some of those businesses weren't really sustainable mm. and that the market may have had a oversupply uh, situation and so now we've got you know a, a better supply-demand ratio and that could be a good thing um, of course as humans we don't learn mm. um, you know we immediately tried to fill all those holes that were left by exiting businesses by opening new branches. We did it ourselves. Um, mm. And, um, you know, so now we're back to the, you know, there's an oversupply situation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we quickly um, quickly go, yeah. We do, you know, it's <laughs>
1: human nature. Um, but, you know, like, I mean, I, I think that we were, we were incredibly lucky because we had reserves. We had reserves of coffee stock. Mm. I actually had containers of coffee on the water, um, and some of my, uh, competitors didn't ran out of coffee, mm. you know, because they couldn't get it. Um, we would just, it just the timing worked out that
0: we you had the, you had the stock. Yeah. It was had good. The stock,
1: And I had cash in the bank. So.
0: And yeah, you were 13 years into the business. Yeah. It might've been different. Well, you, you, you came through originally raw at the start, there was the global economic crisis in 2008 mm. onwards, but you're more robust as a business. You've got different revenue streams. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah.
1: And, uh, and, uh, it's, uh, what saved the business, to be honest, was the cafe and our cause, mm. right? It's a huge space. It's 13,000 square feet. Mm. So we were able to socially distance our tables and not – and still have enough tables that it was nearly viable to yeah. be running a cafe restaurant. Yeah. Um, you know, so so that that revenue coming in the door literally one cup at a time mm. um saved us. And then we're slowly rebuilding back into into that now. Yeah. I mean, you know, the the losses are huge. You know, to be honest, mm. um, but um, I think that as a business, I think that uh, from a from a business leadership perspective, I've learned a lot more, and I think that I'm um, I'm probably more um, aggressive in the way that I approach some of the business. Mm. And you know, I, I have to be honest, we fired a few customers. Mm. You know, where we saw that. You know, so COVID had this thing that we all—the world went into a, into a crisis. So we, we, you know, as humans, we we looked after humans, and that lasted for a while. And then when you when you see that you have a different alignment um, with your customer that doesn't necessarily see that you know it's going to be a positive thing if you don't agree with the same set of values, mm. then we actually exited those relationships. Yeah, because that wasn't going to be a positive thing moving forward.
0: You yeah. Know? It sounds like you make a lot of decisions that are you know uh to keep things commercially viable to do things in the best interest of the business and the brand and like even with the sustainable things that you're doing at the moment uh, it sounds like you're really in control of uh the things that you can be in control of
1: yeah so we're just about to we're doing a, an update to our packaging
0: mm. right and and the
1: team the team um have been you know Pushing, saying, "Listen, we need to be more sustainable. Like, you know, what can we do?" And again, I go back to what's a sustainable business, right? You know, so how are we sustain a business now? We because we put the pressure on ourselves not just to take the easy route. You know, let's not. You know, one hundred percent compostable packaging would mean that the end consumer has to pay a lot more for my product because it's going to cost me literally eight times what it's costing me for my current packaging. Mm. So is that sustainable? I don't think so, mm. uh, especially in a tightening economy. So i pushing the team and pushing the team, and we ended up finding a solution where our new packaging is made from recycled milk bottles,
0: mm.
1: right? So they're still, it's recyclable. It's made of PET. It's not compostable, but we don't have a compostable environment here so even if I had a combustible product mm. I couldn't take it through its whole cycle mm.
0: so I think these it's, are the bags that the beans the go actual in. literal yeah.
1: bags that the beans yeah. go in you know and we're talking thousands and thousands of these bags so we want something to be done with those we don't want those going into landfill we mm. want to be able to do something about it but it's not necessarily the you know the thing that's the top of the google list that's the best for a business sometimes mm. you actually have to challenge yourself you know a lot more and say really you know, am I, doing, am, am I doing the right thing? You know, you know I, I, I had a, a really robust conversation with my finance team the other day, you know, because I don't believe that buying at the lowest cost is good for a business. Mm. I think you have to match, you know, the cost of the product with the value of that product, mm. you know. So if you've got a better quality, you know, people will pay more for that quality you know, and the margin, you know, then represents, and you can run a a business better. Mm, interesting. Um,
0: yeah. Uh, so, uh, so at the moment, uh, the, the mainly how you're being more sustainable is that is that packaging. Pack- I and mean, we've uh, got rid of plastic. Originally, and originally, as well, working with organic yep. uh, farms. Yep.
1: But you know, another example is is you know my my farmers have sustained COVID. Mm. They are still there. They're still producing. They're producing mm. better coffee. The coffees that we've got this year are sensational.
0: Mm. Okay, good. And it was
1: really hard work, but to me, that's sustainability. You yeah.
0: Know? Um, so you link, like, you know, if, if it's if it's ESG, you link sustainability with not just like the environment, but you link sustainability with uh, sustainable business mm-hmm. and providing good products mm-hmm. and an ecosystem around the coffee industry. Yep.
1: Yeah, and and we work. You know, we work down to the level. I, I don't ever want to tell a coffee farmer how to farm their coffee. Mm. But I will find an, an expert that can help them with their soil management. Okay. And then introduce those people together because I know that at the end of the day in two years' time, the product that I buy from them is going to be better, mm. right, because it's got the right nutrients, which means that the, the cherry's grown better and the coffee's going to taste better. Mm. You know, um, uh, phosphate Roundup. Um, is uh, insidious through through the agricultural industry because it's the easiest way to kill weeds. Hmm. My coffee producers in Colombia are growing weeds, Hmm. right? And then they cut those weeds down when they get to a foot tall, they naturally mulch into the soil and they don't have to add nitrates. Okay. Right? So, you know, there's there's ways that we can take the sustainability. I'm I'm lucky because I'm not – requiring millions and millions of kilos, right? So I'm not, um, my coffee farmers can actually act, you know, in smaller lots, and we can see the results of those within a couple of years, if Interesting. that's thing.
0: But So just, Matt, because I, I, I know you're kind of an expert on this stuff, and, you know, for people who aren't really in the in the weeds or in the you know in the coffee industry, how would you describe the status quo of the coffee industry in Dubai and the UAE now? You've got the commodity side of it. You've got the DMCC. You've got the international brands. We've heard of stories of you know um, PIF looking to invest into Starbucks. You've got uh, the relationship with Costa with Emirates Leisure. You, then you've got a lot of the roasteries. That a lot of the the funky cool cafes. Uh, the homebrew, uh, system, you now have startups in coffee, apps, technology, all this sort of stuff. What's the mix at the moment? How do you view it? It's, it was confused. It's now
1: starting to get clarity. Um, it's, you know, I'm going to make a statement that's going to probably bite me. I'm going to have people <laughs> who are going to ring me up and say, how do you say that? I think that the UAE is very close to surpassing everywhere else in the world from a coffee industry perspective. Now, I'm going to be very careful how I say that. So for many, many years, Melbourne has been the world leader in coffee because there was a bunch of people who really got into the coffee deeply and understood these little seeds as much as you possibly can. We did it differently in the UAE we focused on the environment that people go into. So we have more specialty coffee shops here than we do anywhere else in the world per capita. But the coffee itself, people still need to learn more because not every bean is equal. And not every barista or not every machine that makes coffee is going to be as good as possible. But as an industry, we are just about the world leaders now. Because of the investment that, is, that has happened. You, you have accountants who are driving a lot of businesses, but a lot. now we, we are having people who are going, actually, you know what? The consumer is prepared to pay for that cup, but they are now demanding a higher value right so you know if you give me like that uh, frappuccino uh, you know I, I bought in for you you know mm. that that product there is no nasties in that you know it's got some sugar in it but there's no chemicals in that whatsoever it's it's whole new zealand milk you know uh, that's been you know made into a base that i've added some coffee to it you know where you know if we're just looking at chemicals and things so the, the consumer themselves is going to drive this industry a lot more um And what's been interesting in the last six months, a huge amount of companies that are big companies have contacted us to ask us how they improve the quality of their product, Mm. which blew me away. I wasn't expecting that at all. And a lot of the time, it's as simple as improving their logistics so that the coffee gets to the barista faster, it's fresher and therefore it's a better product. So what we're seeing is a globalization rather than, uh, for example, like you mentioned the PIF um, with the uh, Saudi coffee company, you know, Saudi is going to instigate um, a requirement that coffee is roasted in Saudi. Mm. That's a good plan for the country. And so the likes of, you know, the big boys, you know, the Starbucks and Costas are going to have to find a local roastery. Mm. Well, that's going to improve the quality immediately Mm. because you're going to have a shorter, shorter time to, uh, from roasting to, to brewing. And, and that's going to, that's going to make it better. So the consumer is going to be better off. Um, you know, we're moving away where we, we want less sugar in our diet. We want less fat in our diet. We want, we want to know where our food has come from, Mm. right? So the stories that we're now able to tell about that coffee farmer in Colombia and how they have, you know, got rid of using uh, uh, pesticides and herbicides and so you're not getting that in your cup is a good story that people want to hear.
0: But what do you think, you know, maybe your bold statement won't seem as bold in 10 years time and if not, and I agree with you and many people living here might feel it too, but what do you think uae and saudi will be known as if if i say colombia or ethiopia and we link coffee we know something if we say new york or melbourne we think of something else mm-hmm. what do you think this re- is it the mix is it that the farmers in the jizan region of saudi arabia is it the is it the raw uh, coffee company and is it is it the mix of everything is it the consumers of the you know, the diversity and nationalities or what do you think will make it the leading
1: I think what it will be is that, you know, it's not a you know, you can you can buy if you want to spend the money, you can get the highest quality of anything anywhere in the world today. Hmm. Right. But what's going to make the difference is that if your core base quality is an improved quality. Okay. Right? That that's the fundamental thing. Like so what the PIF is doing in Shazan. Is an incredible project. I mean, to be honest, right now the Jazan coffee is is not a very high quality coffee. You know, it it needs um, specialist agronomists to you know to help those farmers improve their quality, which is exactly what the PIF is investing in. Mm. You know, they've just uh, they've just signed a lease on a million hectares uh, to 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 put in some experimental farms, which is super exciting. You know, but I would say that probably the PIF will probably invest in Colombia and Ethiopia or Brazil in buying farms as well. And they will look at, okay, so, you know, we've got a a, a green unroasted coffee that can be transported in a way that's, uh, that maintains its quality. So when you go to Saudi or you come to the UAE, you can have the world's best coffee. Mm. You know, there is the potential because there is – enough funding behind it to to set up the infrastructure that it's not just one cup. Mm. At the moment, you know, you're limited to, you know, maybe you go to a a smaller uh, coffee shop or roastery today, and they've managed to secure a very small amount of an exceptionally high quality. Well, you know, that's not really sustainable. (laughs) You know, enough. <laughs> DHLing enough DH and spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars to send a few kilos of coffee you know that's exceptional it's not really sustainable yeah you know it's fun um but it doesn't also help the world so how do we generally lift the whole quality thing and i think that this region will be known for adding that value you know to creating the the, the consumer demand um, we need to move the consumer away, in my opinion, from sugar and milk in our coffee mm. um, because that is two things that can hide quality mm. um, and it can also uh, hide badness. Yeah. So, um, you know, when we, if, if sugar and milk wasn't available, coffee consumption would drop considerably because the taste profile of bad coffee would be so okay. obvious that people wouldn't drink it.
0: That's a different way of looking at it. Yeah. yeah. So just two quick questions or long questions before we finish, but different, I guess, you know, when you were talking at the beginning, it, it was unusual to hear the story of how uh, you led with manufacturing. And, you know, we speak to a lot of startups, we speak to a lot of different industries and the UAE even in the even in startups, people outsource their engineers. In retail, they get their products made elsewhere. Uh automotive, obviously there's no automotive maker in the UAE. So what you've done is you've put manufacturing into the UAE and made the margins work. That's rare, hmm. right? So uh are you conscious of that? And do you think that you know that is a, a blueprint or a roadmap for uh food and F and B industry in the future in the region?
1: Absolutely. Look, you know you. So, I remember uh, calling home 14 years ago and going, "You can get McDonald's delivered." <laughs> you know, people, what do you mean you get delivered? You know, we can get. We're used to having anything delivered. I think that you look at uh, what's happened with our food delivery service, with our dark kitchens, um, you know, and and what we do. I mean, we are. I would say we're the world leaders in in doing this stuff. Yeah. Right. I, th- I think what will actually happen is that there will be a lot more focus on where is the value that can be added, right? So the value today is in brands and the products that they do. It's not necessarily in how you produce it. What we don't want to have is homogenized product. So we don't want everything to be the same, just with a different packaging, mm. right? So there's a, there's a danger area if you go into mass production of these things. Um, but also again, you know, it's ridiculous. The amount of importation that we're doing of product, we don't need to do this. Mm. Have you had exactly. tomatoes from Sharjah? Have you had mushrooms from Sharjah? Mm. You know, we're, we're producing products here that are world class. You know, and, you know, um, we don't need to be flying things in, um, you know, every week just to satisfy the fact that we've got strawberries year round. We mm. don't need to do this. We mm. can we can produce these locally. You know, um, the consumer um, uh, is allowed to demand these sort of things, but maybe we need to change our mentality a little bit to be a little bit seasonal. Yeah. You know, maybe we need to think, you know, really do I need to be able to, uh, get this all year round, or should I? You know, should I get excited for mango season like yeah. we used to do?
0: Yeah, you know, yeah, um, interesting. Yeah. Pro- probably we're going to remain yeah. global. But yeah, I, I hear you on the manufacturing locally. I think it's super important across industries.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that um, that manufacturing has been here. You know, if you look at uh, some of the manufacturing plants, I mean, we have some of the largest pharmaceutical manufacturing in RAC is one of the largest pharmaceutical companies in the world, you know, mm. ceramic manufacturing, ceramic, you know, yeah. so we've had that industry has been here for many, many, many years. I think that there's going to be a version of it which has a little bit more of a niche play to it mm. um, where the consumer is going to really enjoy that. Um, New Zealand is like a bunch of villages, right? You know, so you, you, in in my, you know, where, where I, where I Was living before, you know. I had a a greengrocer, I had a butcher, I had a bakery, you know. I had a pharmacy, you know. I had all those individual, individually run industries. Yeah, we had a supermarket, but you'd go to the butcher and the baker and the greengrocer, and then you'd go and buy your cans of goods at the supermarket. I think that that is a way better model, um, you know, for the world and to do it that way. And I think that the consumer ends up with a better product because you're talking directly to the person who's responsible for producing your food, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that, that's a good thing, you mm-hmm.
0: know. Um, so can you order directly on a raw app, like? For, yeah, especially? so
1: we, we do huge amount of delivery, yeah. and, and and but we also we can do a huge amount of support, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, coffee is one of these really cool things that, you know, I have over 40 different coffees and they're very, very different. So if you like a coffee in a certain way, You know have a conversation with us and we can help you find a a good coffee Mm. if you want to if you want to switch from a cappuccino to uh an espresso we can also help you on that journey as well
0: yeah um brilliant i'm conscious of time but matt you've been here for 15 years or so uh raw coffee coffee has been around for the last time you're passionate about coffee obviously are you as passionate about the region and the industry and what does the future look like for raw
1: I had a conversation with my father about two weeks ago. And the conversation that I had with him is that I think that this region is going to be the best region for the next five years to live, work, and play. Mm-hmm. I really do believe that we have all the ingredients um, to be able to do things. And, you know, we are seeing more people coming in here with this entrepreneurial spirit that they that they're wanting to add value. The we're finally able to get back to that community-ness. You know, you know, now we can actually see each other, we can actually become a community. And we're seeing more and more people caring about people. And so that's what makes Dubai and this region super, super cool. Mm. You know, we've got infrastructure, you know, you know, we've got everything you'd need to be here. Um, you know, it's it's the 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 streets aren't paved with gold bars. Um, you know, it's hard. You have to work mm. uh to do here, but you know, you're safe. You know, the the education systems here are the best in the world if you you want to bring your kids up here, as I did. Um, You know, so everything that we've got going on in Dubai and and the UAE at the moment is fantastic. Um, And I'm really looking forward to the next five years or so.
0: Brilliant. Well, thanks so much for sharing all that. You've really opened our ears and eyes to the coffee industry and congratulations on what you've achieved with Raw and your business partner. And we'll follow the story in the future. Thank you very much. Thank you. Really good chat with Matt today, uh, really enjoyed hearing about Raw and we, and you can tell the passion and the knowledge he has about the coffee industry. So I think anyone interested in coffee would have learned a lot today and then hopefully about uh, Dubai as well and industry here. Uh, so I'd like to thank Shahir, our producer, for putting the show together and Ali as well uh, for doing all the production on the episode uh we'll be back next week with another episode uh please do subscribe on smashy.tv to watch any of the previous episodes and if you're listening on any of the podcasts do recommend uh leave a rating or share it with a friend uh and yeah have a good weekend